0: Welcome to carlos and lisa i'm lisa Remillard,
1: and i'm carlos and you know back in the 80s there was this famous saying people would walk up you know and you're like a pickup line like hey do you work out
0: yes yeah. I do it remember a that. Are thing. It or you was, look like you work out. Because it the
1: whole thing was happening. The Jane Fonda exercise videos. I love was, Jane there was Fonda. Like, there was like Pilates thing that was happening. Uh, Suzanne Somers was doing her the exercise. Thigh master. Master. The Thighmaster. The Thighmaster. Stop it. That was all a thing. Of course. It was a big thing. And Jazzercise, that's, yeah. Warmers, aerobics. Leg warmer socks.
0: <laughs> all of it, yes. Yeah,
1: yeah, that was a thing back then. However,
0: I hate working out.
1: I noticed.
0: I (laughs) hate it. Like I refuse to. I don't like to work out. I don't like doing it. I don't. I don't like to be around it.
1: So how do you keep your girlish figure? You don't eat.
0: No, I do. I just. But you're you're an active
1: person. You don't sit around. You're not. Wait a minute. You sit around and watch TV a lot. Yeah, I do. Okay.
0: Here's the thing is that. But here's the thing is, um, as you hit a certain age. Yes. As you hit a certain age, let's not
1: talk about age.
0: Um, your body decides that it's going to start doing its own thing. Yeah, it expands. Right? Correct, it yes. expands in all yeah. of the wrong places.
1: Who's the fat guy in Star Wars? Chewbacca? No, not Chewbacca.
0: <laughs> oh, Jabba. Pizza the Hut. Jabba.
2: <laughs>
1: Pizza the Hut. Pizza. That's in baseball. Yeah, sometimes I feel like that guy. Right. Because I don't work out. But there's a new study uh, in a psychology journal that shows. The right music, like uh, a legal performance-enhancing drug.
0: It's like a, it's like a legal per- performance-enhancing drug. It has no side effect. With no side effect.
1: Music can be a stimulant to help you work out better.
0: And music has-
1: And I love music.
0: Right? It's shown to help you lose more weight if you're doing the, using and listening to the right kinds of music. When you are working out, I've never out. done that. So it's, or not. I think it's a hundred and it has to have a hundred um, and seventy beats per minute. Wow. Um, if if that music you're listening to has a hundred and seventy beats per minute, it reduces the perceived effort, and it boosts your cardiovascular benefits. Meaning, huh. Like, you know how when you start to work out and then you like start to slow up and you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. And you Wait like, a minute, there's I thought
1: you a, didn't work out. What do you know? What do you know about this? Well,
0: I mean, I have in my life. <laughs> every once in a while, done it. Done it, yeah. Right, so I know there's a point when I'm like, I gotta quit, like this is too hard. And then you have to either quit or you have to push through, right? And so this, if you're listening to the right tempo music, it reduces your perceived effort. Well, you're not paying
1: attention to it. Correct. You're paying attention to the music. Correct. You're focusing on something other than the exercise, and of course, we know music can boost your mood uh, before exercise, but the study also says It can dampen your perception of the pain and fatigue, as you said, uh, of all of that. So what types of exercises does high-tempo music help the most? The effects were greatest for endurance exercise like brisk walking, running, biking, and now they have waterproof uh, earplugs so you can swim as well. You like to swim. I like to, you know. You used to swim a lot. The thing about me, and and this is is the honest truth, I spent so much time in the gym when I was young Mm -hmm. that I got fed up with it. Oh. I got tired of working out, you know. Every single day lifting weights, every single day running, every single day doing calisthenics, working. It, I just, I'm just like a burnout. I was a burnout case, and so. And when
2: uh, was that? I'm
0: sorry. When did you burn out?
1: At about thirty five. Oh okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. At about thirty-five I said, that's it, I'm done. I can't I do this anymore. Sing. I got tired of going into sweaty gyms and the guys doing a you know, the whole <laughs> But I never I never put the earphones in. I never thought of putting the earphones in. I saw people doing it. But I, you know, like the Walkman, you know, oh,
0: well, when well, that first that started. Oh, nineteen eighty-two.
1: Yeah, yeah.
3: Was that the last yeah. time you yeah. were in a gym yeah,
0: that was with the, the last time I ever, Yeah, the
1: Walkman. But I, yeah, but now <laughs> there's ways you can do that with the, you know, the cordless things. Yeah, and, yeah, sure. And but you know, I think the best way to train is with a trainer.
0: Well, yeah. If you sign
1: up, with, if you're paying money right, to a well, trainer, that, you show up. They make you, they make you work hard. You don't, you feel guilty if you don't do what they tell you. So that's the only way, really. Music helps, but you got to have somebody there. Watching well, it. I mean, you got to be able to afford you it. you could
0: be self-motivated.
1: No, and I'm not self-motivated. Okay, maybe for you, <laughs> the that
0: self-motivation that's isn't going to work. I that's think a lot of people, is. this is a good <laughs> option. Um, by the way, uh, the, the, the the music, the fast beat music, um, it isn't great for um, like weightlifting. It doesn't no, really do much so. for you. Uh, or cardio, jump, yeah, yeah uh, or jump roping or interval training, not that great. But what song has the best bang for your buck? I like this part. Uh,
1: yeah. Okay. Like so I'm songs? sure they're gonna be songs I don't. I've never heard. You have heard ever, some ever of hear. them. Okay.
0: Eminem, lose yourself. You
1: I don't know, even know what that, that song. That's no. like
0: one of his most famous songs. I don't even. It was know. in that. It was in that movie. It has 171 beats per minute. How so. does that go? <laughs> I'm not gonna sing. You know I have. T- you better lose yourself in the music. The da da da. No. No. Okay. All right. Forget <laughs> it. Okay. Uh, Jay-Z, Empire State of Mind. You Again. know that song.
1: Yo, yo. No, Hey, hey no. that's all he ever does in his songs. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Oh, forget it. That has 173 beats per minute. With
1: Alicia Keys? Is that the one? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, with Alicia Keys. Yeah, okay.
0: Okay. Beyonce, Naughty Girl, 199 beats per minute. That's okay. another good one.
1: Okay, so far you yeah, haven't talked. Taylor
0: Swift, Untouchable. <laughs> yeah. Okay, how about this one you might know. Annette Funicello, Tall Paul, has 202 beats per minute. Does it really? 202 beats per minute. Okay,
1: I do remember that one. Annette, Annette, Funicello. Annette Funicello. was one of my heartthrobs. Teenage heartthrobs when I was you a kid. Go. Sorry, if you want, okay, so if you want to check out beats per minute of your favorite song, there are lots of online tools uh, that can help you. Uh, Spotify has a um, one-click option where you can uh, you know, check and, and you can enter your favorite song and mm-hmm. it'll tell you how many beats per minute it I,
0: is. I honestly, too, just right now Googled, I, I just Googled oh, how many beats per minute does, I just said how many BPM for, and I put in a song and yeah. they told me. Because I like to work, when, when I do work out, when it's
3: when very I rare, out.
0: I do like to work out to Lizzo because she's just got this like great, Lizzo. great beat. she
1: was big at the Grammys.
0: She was big at the granny, yeah. Grammys, yes. Uh, ooh. Beyonce, run the world. That's another good one. 127 beats yeah. per minute. Uh, Lizzo has
1: 119. Uh, I I'd uh, like to listen to Shakira. Your hips don't lie. Whatever that
0: Ooh. song.
1: <laughs> <laughs> shake, shake it a little bit.
0: There you go. That'll get your, that'll get your heart rate up. You know,
1: you know I actually need to think about doing that with, uh, uh, on the treadmill, listening to music like that.
0: As long as it's big beats <laughs> per minute.
1: So I try to, I try to do 170 plus. I try to do a playlist yeah and I messed up my playlist because if I had a good playlist then I wouldn't have to keep looking at my device right right of course then, that's of course, what a playlist people is people now have watches I'm they confused. have Apple watches that they put their music on too yes see, I'm I still way. have my my music pod thing my Your iPod? iPod iPod yeah I still has tons of music
0: look at let me tell you something most of Chicago I don't hate on that I have one too. Yeah. And everybody that looks at me with it, they're like, what in the hell are you doing with that? And I was like, look, just, I like it. It has a solitaire game on it. I'm into it. It
1: just works.
0: It (laughs) It works. works. And I got all my playlists on it. I'll tell you what I do
1: put my earphones in for when I ski. Really? I love to ski to music <laughs>
0: <Isn't that weird>? <laughs> <laughs> you're running your own movie soundtrack in your head as you're going down Something the about going
1: down the mountain with music <laughs> makes me feel really happy makes
0: you feel alive and I,
1: and I love that but I, and of course I haven't done that for a while because my knees hurt and right. I've had operations and you so know now we're
0: gonna start with the walking with the music up tempo yes. music 170 oh, yeah. beats I'll a minute. attach
1: it to my walker
0: <laughs> Make sure you put the tennis balls on it. So I'm you so excited
1: <laughs> and I just can't hide it. I'm about to lose control. So much fun. All right, we I don't even re- know why we're talking about this, we but hey, re- check out your songs. Yes.
0: <laughs> good good music, uptable music helps your cardiovascular health, helps you work out. All right, we have a great show. I'm out of breath. I know. It's, you got to work out so you can have yeah. some stamina. We'll be right back.
4: Still ahead, Greg Cohen is running four marathons this year to help raise awareness for a good cause. Hear his story next. And later, actor Sean Kanan from Studio City is here telling us why he decided to create this show.
3: 25,000
0: people are expected to run the LA Marathon this year, but only one is running with scleroderma, a rare, incurable, and disfiguring autoimmune disease, making each step painful.
1: Well, that one is our next guest. His name is Greg Cohen. He's here to talk about why he's running and talk. We need to learn a little bit more about scleroderma. A lot of folks don't understand even what it is. Nice to have you here. Greg. Hi, thanks for having me. So tell me about the, the, the basics of scleroderma and how you found out that you had it and what it does to you.
5: Uh, So, the basics of scleroderma, it it basically translates to mean hard skin. It's where, it's a connective tissue disease where your extremities for people, hands and feet and face start to tighten. Um, Basically collagen, extra collagen is deposited in parts of the body. Uh, For some people, it can be extremely life threatening because it can affect their lungs, their kidneys and their heart. For me, um, I started developing issues with my hands. This was probably about five years ago now, tightness in my hands. I started to develop digital ulcers on my finger. Uh, which are extremely painful. I always tell people, think of it as a canker sore on your finger. That doesn't Oof. go away for you know, anywhere from two to five months. Uh, so I went to a doctor, originally they diagnosed me with bilateral carpal tunnel syndrome, which didn't make sense to me. Right. Uh, so I went to a rheumatologist. At the time, they were a little hesitant to diagnose me with this, which for a lot of patients, scleroderma is not diagnosed right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead, I was diagnosed with, diagnosed with Hashimoto's, a thyroid condition, but my doctor told me, come back in a few months. I waited about a year and a half. Wow. wow. A Little stubborn. Uh, I developed an ulcer that wouldn't go away, so I finally went back, and that's when I was diagnosed back in 2017.
0: So knowing that, mm-hmm. and having to live with all of that pain, Why in the world are you running a marathon? (laughs) Actually, why are you running four marathons? Uh,
5: Well, it's interesting. Uh, Back, if you would have caught me five years ago, I probably never would have run a marathon. I've always been an athlete. Uh, One of the things my my original doctor told me about why I, I haven't developed, you know, some internal things, or just in general, why I present very healthy is because of my level of physical activity. Uh, being an athlete, being a personal trainer, and a fitness instructor, um, I guess luckily, you know, I've been able to keep my body in, in good good form. So I decided, scleroderma is very rare, and it's not very known to the public. Uh, I wanted to raise awareness and help raise money for patient support as well as research. And I decided two years ago to run the LA Marathon, which I did and then I decided to do it again last year and we got a little bit of publicity with the LA Times and so this year I had this grandiose idea. <laughs> <laughs> Originally I wanted to do six marathons and my doctor said no way. Yeah. <laughs> so we settled on four and tried to space them out as best we could so that my body would have good So recovery. let's talk a little bit about the level of fitness and how that helps
1: or or does it improve your your quality of life Uh, what do the doctors tell you about your fitness and how that helps
5: so I don't think my doctor ever gave me a clear-cut reason as to why my fitness does but one of the things that I've come to to learn and I've done a lot of research I just got my master's in public health too in lifestyle Mm -hmm. management is it helps with mobility especially the more I'm active obviously blood flow etc physical activity promotes good stress in the body too much of it obviously bad but um, it allows for the flexibility of my joints mm. um, don't get me wrong my joints are probably not as good as your average person That does not have scleroderma, but it allows me to keep flexibility in my extremities, especially um, And it's just I think it's a, also a mindset I think when you you have this positive mindset and you're able to do certain things it actually helps the body Not only necessarily heal but prevent you know, in my personal opinion, prevent from yeah. deteriorating.
0: All right, so the LA Marathon is your next, is the next run and Correct. that's coming in March. So I'm sure there's people that are watching, they're very going to want to support you in your run. So I'm sure, sure. you're taking, Donations for your cause.
5: Yeah, for sure. I'm partnering with a company called Project Scleroderma. They are a nonprofit based out in Philadelphia, whose whole mission is to raise awareness about scleroderma. So, they're actually uh, they're following me. We're doing a documentary during the the year long efforts that I'm doing. But I'm also partnering with my doctor at UCLA Health. Um, people can go to my website. It's rungregrun.com, and that's where they can donate. And all of the money's going to her research in gastrointestinal uh, patient issues with uh, patients with scleroderma. All
1: right. Run Greg, Run dot. Calm, Calm. yes. Uh, So, and I just one last question. When you're running,
5: do you feel pain or do you feel exhilarated? How do you feel when you're running? It all depends on the day. Uh. I would say when I'm running a long distance, whether it's a training run or a marathon, there's definitely pain. There's tightness in my body. Um, My, you know, whereas people might hit the wall, at 20 or 21, I'm hitting the wall at 17 or 18, or even mm-hmm. earlier. Last year Oof. in the marathon, I hit it at 13, Oof. just because my quads and my knees and my ankles, um, you know, my skin is super tight. So even on my feet, it makes it more challenging. So my flexibility to dorsiflex or plantar flex my feet isn't as great as someone who doesn't have this illness. We
1: appreciate your courage and really all that you're doing for that uh, that, that cause. is fantastic. Thank
4: you so great. much. Thanks yeah. for coming in, yeah. good
0: luck. Thank you. It. Yeah, Thanks best of luck having to you. me. We'll be yeah. right back.
4: Next, he's an Australian musician that has new music. Nick Broadhurst is here.
0: Rodhurst is back with new music after the success of his debut album, Thank You, which had 16 million streams.
1: Listen to that. Beautiful sound, his voice. It's it's haunting and peaceful and fighting. It's just amazing. Yep. And Nick is here. Yeah. Hi Nick!
0: So let's talk about the single. Yes. Um, this is, well, first for people who don't, the Americans who don't know your music, yeah. you have a very interesting vibe where does that come from this peaceful meditation where does that come from
2: i think that comes from my own personal journey Mm -hmm. you know i i came from a band which was very much in the sort of more electronic pop space um partying that sort of world and i lived a very very different life so i had to move through some things in my life i went through some challenges and from that i had to go into periods of deep reflection and meditation and and really you know practicing a lot of self-love and all the things that needed to pull me out of that sort of space in my life and then you sort of become that and then i think your music is a reflection of
1: wait, i can't be- i cannot believe that you had trouble with your band no yeah. band has troubles <laughs> no no one suffers through that whole period in their <laughs> lives this is a tough transition for you and to, to come out of it the way you did there's something inside of you that said i'm searching right
2: yeah absolutely yeah, I think it's also, even outside of the music, you know, I had, at that time, I was married to someone differently, I had a relationship that was failing, I was going through a divorce, I had a young child. Mm. And also my health imploded completely as well. I had viral meningitis, I was oh in bedridden gosh. for three years. I had a whole bunch of things that hit me very hard. So, you know, when you go through those sorts of things, you really need to dig deep.
0: I wanna, you know? I wanna talk about, um, cause you were part of that kind of group, yeah. right? That electronic dance party group. Um, and this is a huge departure.
2: Yeah.
0: Are your fans from previous, how do they feel about this new avenue for you? I
2: honestly don't think there's even a connection. Really? Yeah, I think like there's completely different audiences. Really? Yep, absolutely.
0: So you don't even worry about it, just no. do what you do?
2: Just do what I do, I can only do me. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> so, right. now,
1: so, so I noticed a little bit of electronic thing in the, in, in the, in the piece that we just listened to. Is it, is it your aim to, to soothe, to invigorate, or what?
2: Yeah, I think one thing that happens with my music, I hear a lot through social media, the feedback that I get is that people have a certain feeling they get when they listen to my music. And that's never really my intention. My intention is to write things which make me feel something. Mm -hmm. Because I know if I'm feeling something, someone else out there will, whether it's one person or a million or a hundred million. So I really have to just sort of create what feels true and let the world decide for themselves if it's for them.
0: Okay, so we're looking right now at the visual music video for the song Inner Love. Tell me about the visual artistry and where does that come from? Because, you know, I think you're a doll, but that's out there. (laughs) (laughs) That's, like, really out there. So tell me about it.
2: Yeah, look, I think that music videos play a really interesting role in music because the artist gets an opportunity to explain themselves differently to what's just in the music Mm -hmm. because the music is very much open to the listener. Mm -hmm. The visuals allow us to sort of portray something that is you know something we're feeling about the song this song really is a song about going from dark to light It's a journey out of depression actually mm. and oh, interesting the way that she moves is very much open to interpretation but it's a journey of you know at the beginning she's trying to get my attention is that darkness trying to pull at me and then she just begins to free up and be more free-flowing and i'm more relaxed with her so there's a whole sort of theme behind it which is explaining the journey how it's
1: interesting. Interesting. what I find really interesting is that the high pitch of your voice is, was surprising to me but it's very smooth and and uh, and somewhat uh, I'm gonna say sexual but also yes. very uh, there's an erotic nature to it as well
2: I'll take that yeah you <laughs> know <laughs> and, and,
1: and I mean that in an honest way like in yeah. a, that when I listen to you, what you what you were creating that's what I got that the, the vibe can go in either way depending on how you're feeling as a listener right
2: yeah I think you know it's interesting you mentioned sexual because my wife Melissa Massine, who's coming on your show yes she is <laughs> We're excited to have her um, We speak very openly about our sex life mm-hmm. because we are big believers that when you're in a relationship, intimacy is foundational to its success. Mm-hmm. Intimacy is the glue that holds your relationship together and so we're quite known for being really, really open about it. In fact, we did a tour together which was called the Open White Tour and Melissa has a book called Open Wide, I have a song called Open Wide. We released them around the same time. And the tour was like a real life musical. It was music interwoven with meditation and real life story from both of us. And a lot of that story revolved around our intimate life. Because I think it's really important that people speak about that because there's something we all do
0: right yeah. and, wow. and, and it's wow. one of those things in a relationship that you kind of keep in the dark and you don't talk about publicly but when you do you find common ground between 100%. yourself as the artist and your audience so where can everybody get the music where can you so is it available
2: wherever you listen to music spotify apple music deezer title amazon
0: all of it everywhere
2: nick right. broadhurst
0: thank you for coming nick thank fantastic. you for Nice to meet you fantastic to have
2: you here continued success to you thank you very much Next,
4: how can you tell if you're being manipulated by someone? We talked to an expert on keeping boundaries and being proactive.
0: to Carlos and Lisa, I'm Lisa Remillard.
1: And I'm Carlos Amesco. We've been hearing an awful lot about uh, manipulative relationships lately. The phrase came up most recently during the Harvey Weinstein sexual abuse trial. His defense team claimed one of the witnesses manipulated Weinstein by keeping in touch with the former movie mogul after sexual encounters as a way to get what she wanted from him.
0: Of course, the prosecution also alleges that Weinstein used his power and influence to manipulate his alleged victims uh, as a way to assert control over them. I mean, we're not just seeing it in, you know, in, in that news, I mean, we see it in TV shows. I mean, this is what movies yeah. are based on. Oh, yeah, on, these absolutely. These manipulative relationships. Right, right.
1: Also, a uh, recent interview, uh, musician R. Kelly, uh, his now ex-girlfriend accused him of manipulating her during their five-year relationship, manipulation certainly isn't limited only to these high-profile uh, people. It, it, of course, happens in everyday life, as you say, mm-hmm. and we see it so much that uh, you know people are talking about it now and how you can deal with this type of intimate partner violence and manipulation, which affects millions of Americans each year. Because manipulation is not a physical violence; sometimes it's just. It's a mental thing, and it goes unnoticed.
0: Well, it goes unnoticed from the outside world and not not necessarily internally. So how do you identify if you are on the receiving end of that manipulation, especially if it's coming from a loved one? Joining us is licensed marriage and family therapist and mental health YouTuber expert, Katie Morton. Hi, Katie. How are you? Good. How are you? Okay, so all that to say, manipulation in relationships has been going on since the beginning of time. Yes. But why now is it? kind of a topic of concern.
3: I think because we're seeing it play out fully because of social media, right? I think we're able to like track back things people said, situations, scenarios as they rolled out. I think people are just more aware. We talk about toxic relationships a lot and this is a form of that.
1: Is it a learned thing? I mean, do you think people learn it from their parents, learn it from their friends? Where do they get that?
3: it can it can come from behavior we learn from parents family friends but it can also just be a part of a a bigger mental illness like Mm -hmm. narcissistic personality disorder for instance or borderline personality disorder can both come along with these flavors of manipulation
0: i think um if you are on the receiving end of that manipulation oftentimes you um you recognize something is wrong but you tell yourself it's not that or you try and tell yourself that um it's um, it'll be okay it will get through it it's just a phase is it
3: any of those things or is it a long-term it depends on the scenario Mm -hmm. a lot of people manipulate we might say something a little passive aggressive to get someone to do something right because we're not always great at direct communication saying it would mean a lot if you could just do this thing for me (laughs) instead we'll like drag like let's say we don't want to go to a party but our spouse really wants us to go Mm -hmm. we can drag our feet we can forget where the keys are. We can do a lot of these passive-aggressive things to right. make us late. <laughs> right. So in so that way, don't spend
0: much time there. Right? Exactly. So <laughs>
3: that's that's what I would call just like regular basic manipulation in relationships to do what we really want to do. Mm-hmm. However, when that goes further to uh, what we call gaslighting, when you remember something one way, and I'm like, that's not what happened. You're remembering it wrong you actually were the one that was mean to me. We turn the tables on people, that's when it becomes more toxic and it can be dangerous for people. I wow. mean, um, that's kind of what we're seeing play out in the news these it's days. It's everywhere,
0: that, ga- that term gaslighting, I keep seeing it over yes. and over and over again.
3: But
1: why are we powerless to stop it? I we mean, it seems, uh, if you're the manipulator, you, you've, got, you've got all, you're holding all the cards and then there's those, those people who can't seem to figure it out. They're easily manipulated.
3: Some of us can be, especially if we're very, uh, we believe in the good in people, we really want to believe that you mean the best. But if we have healthy boundaries, that's the the best armor against this, is if you're like, no, I didn't wanna do this. You speak clearly, you tell them what you want, what you don't want, and you don't allow certain behavior. Like, no, you're remembering it incorrectly, and you say, hey, I remember it how I remember it. I don't wanna talk about this anymore. Boom, you shut down the manipulation.
0: um let's let's talk about the signs of Mm -hmm. manipulation because um like carlos is saying there's a lot of people that don't believe or want to believe that they're being manipulated they want to think of themselves in a certain way and that so how do you recognize okay yes it's happening to me
3: what are the signs the first is if you start to second guess yourself a lot like we're talking about gaslighting Mm -hmm. if everything you remember one way or another someone's telling you it's different and you're like am I going crazy Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's that's a really a big red flag makes a lot of sense also if you feel bad about yourself when you're around a certain person that's another sign because they usually tend to put us down any chance they get Um, if we find ourselves slowly being isolated like we're losing close friendships those are all things that I would tell people to look out for Hmm. what um, what is the what is the danger of not recognizing it and stopping it yeah a really there's so much. Well, yeah. I First mean. of all, really detrimental relationship to your own thoughts about yourself, your own confidence, mm-hmm. and it can also cause us to be in a series of relationships that are similar because that starts to feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, so it erodes our sense of self, our confidence, and can lead to more toxic relationships. Mm-hmm.
0: Not to mention, I would imagine then, as the manipul, the one who is being manipulated, you might end up doing things that you would never do, be- you know, on oh, your own accord. Oh, one hundred percent. Not yeah. to even. Go down that route but you could really get into some serious
3: trouble on your own well yes because if you are being manipulated remember they're like making us think that we're crazy we're remembering things differently if they're trying to get us to do things Mm -hmm. right through this we can end up Doing things we would no. never do. Now, if you're normally. a
1: salesperson, you're all about manipulation. Because, <laughs> right. So right. there are some positive things you can do, right, with the, with the skill set of being able to get people to do what you want them to do. Like leaders use manipulation.
3: Mm-hmm. Yes. Tell me about
1: some of the positive sides of this.
3: I think some of the positives are when you're doing things for the betterment of others and trying to get people on board for something mm-hmm. that's positive that can be a good thing Um, as well. I mean, sales is good for you as the salesperson, but maybe not for the person that you're selling to. (laughs) So I don't know if that is always correct. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think in a lot of ways, it can lead to leadership skills, um, kind of cult personalities. I think that's why celebrities are so good at it is because they know how to read people and situations. Um, I don't know if manipulation is ever 100% a positive thing. I think it's better to have direct communication, clear understanding, um, but it can lead to success. Right. Unfortunately. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, because we, we're, we're prone, we want to hear what we want to hear, and if somebody is telling us what we want
0: to hear, then we're like, yes, tell me more. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, okay, uh, lastly, w- w- what about the person that is the manipulator? Is that person inherently an evil person, or is that just <laughs> the, the nature of them trying to get what they want
3: out of it? Most people aren't inherently evil. Mm-hmm. I mean, by and large, we. I'd like know. to believe
0: that. I, I know. <laughs> me too. I mean, I've met a couple of real evil
3: people in my day, and there are a few, right? Yeah. But the percentage is so low. Most people who are manipulative just don't have other ways of getting their needs met. They never learned how to directly communicate, and that it's okay to say that made me upset. They don't know how to express that. Therefore, they use other skills and tools to get their way. Yeah. Interesting.
1: So be direct. I think that's the best way not to be military yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah, I love that.
0: I remember it differently. I don't want to talk about this mm-hmm. anymore. I love that. I'm going to use that like every day. <laughs> Carlos, I remember it differently and I don't want to talk
4: about it no, anymore. No, that's not really how it happened. <laughs> Let me tell you how it happened.
0: <laughs> thanks were <for> coming <laughs> in. Yeah, thanks I was for
4: there I was me. sober. I remember yeah. <laughs> we'll be right back next he has a book about the crazy life of broadcast news meet ken davis and then actor sean Kanan was a soap star for years how he gives a nod to that life in his new series studio city
1: ken davis is an emmy award-winning producer who has worked in some of the biggest newsrooms in the country and is now pulling the curtain back on our crazy business our
0: crazy business his book is called in bed with broadcasting and Ken is here hi Hi. how are
1: you great to
6: see you two people in bed with broadcasting really that's what you called your book? well I had to run that by my mother (laughs) (laughs) the industry was my mistress as Uh, it probably has been for for, you two
0: absolutely
6: I would do just about anything Anything for her day or night you've got to live it 24-7 to be a success and I want you to know you're one of my three favorite anchormen. Oh, that's Aww. very nice. And my third say. favorite, actually. Yeah, at yeah, the bottom Walter, of the list. Walter Cronkite, yeah. um, uh, Will Ferrell.
3: <laughs> and a girl was, yeah, yeah, awesome.
1: yeah,
6: yeah, yeah. It's a great list. You're a big
2: <laughs> Wal-
1: Walter, and I would take exception to that. But actually, I think it's a bit of an honor. <laughs> you have an interesting story when you encountered Walter Cronkite at CBS. I mean, you were a uh, producer at, at the network, and and you had encountered a lot of really top-notch news right. people but this is the
6: king the king the prime minister of my profession the book is full of stories where i take the reader inside everything from dining and drinking with walter cronkite to phil spectre pointing a gun to my head to stumbling across the body of may west to breakfast with obama to the lovely hillside strangler and much like you there's there's stories but i write it like a novel Uh, the ups and downs and anybody that wants to be in the broadcasting business center even if they don't there's full of exciting (laughs) stories the Walter case is I was working at Television City CBS uh, networks West Coast uh, headquarters and Walter called he was in town covering a space shuttle landing had just retired from the evening news nobody really knew why If he'd been pushed out by Dan Rather Mm -hmm. or what had really happened was the number one anchorman and suddenly he's quitting and he needed a ride to the Beverly Hills Hotel and I would normally assign our courier, but then suddenly a light went off in my head. <laughs> this is freaking Walter Cronkite. Yeah, you know? I'm gonna show up and drive him wherever <laughs> he care needs if to I'm go. I'm in my pajamas. <laughs> and, and I met him in his helicopter. I landed on top of TV City. Uh, I took him to his hotel at the Beverly Hills Hotel and he said I want to go out to dinner but I want to go to some place that's not fancy dancy where I won't necessarily be recognized because even I like my own privacy. Mm-hmm. I didn't know where to take him and it suddenly dawned on me I would take him to a dive called the Formosa Cafe oh, in yeah. Hollywood. Nice. Yeah. And the reason is the bartender and I were buddies, He was the bartender was like 85 years old but. From when I had worked around the corner of Channel 13, mm-hmm. we had a wonderful evening. We discussed everything from the news business, to ethics, to women, to politics, to... Uh, he was a character. A character. Yeah. So yes. a case of, he had a case of diarrhea when he was on live TV, and how he got through that. So that's, you know, it's the nitty the full story, you <laughs> know? What happens? This is Walter Walter Cronkite. Right? You know? <laughs>
0: okay, so I want to talk Anything. about the news business in general, yes. because news people are, I always say, we are a certain breed of people. We are often highly skeptical, we are lunatics <laughs> at heart, we... For
6: a doubt, excitement we, junkies.
0: Right, excitement junkies yeah, yeah. who are just always turning, 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 always thinking, always trying to consume mm-hmm. information. So my question to you is, what do you share in this book that other people wouldn't know about the news business or don't understand about our business?
6: I talk about that how we are affected, in particular uh, the MGM Grand Fire in Las Vegas, where 82 people died. I I was breaking down crying while Mm -hmm. trying to cover this. Mm -hmm. I try to tell people we're human beings too. Uh, It's, you you meet the most fascinating people in the world and the trick is to keep your head on straight. Mm -hmm. And uh, I get also into the dangers of so-called fake news and how news and democracy are closely tied together. If we don't have a free press, democracy can be in trouble. And uh, anybody in today's world can be a journalist with their cell phones and right. internet and everything else. So I'm kind of pushing for maybe a code of ethics that journalists should follow. Uh, maybe even like a top whether people become a meteorologist or an attorney has to pass the bar exam. Maybe we can hire the bar for journalists mm-hmm. because it's, this country is in danger if uh, if so-called amateurs get in charge. But you have to keep. You also have to keep. An open mind. There's always another side to the story, mm-hmm. and 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 uh, and that's uh, what's been lost in a lot right.
1: of uh, you know what we hear now with social media. Yes. You get one side, and then there's like groupthink. Yeah. Uh, everybody right. who agrees with that jumps on the bandwagon and then it becomes fact. Totally Somehow true. it becomes fact when you haven't heard from the other side, so you get an unbalanced news and people, a lot of people, young people especially, are getting their news from that.
6: Well, 80% of us, they say, get most of our news from social media yeah. and our contacts, our clergy, our Terrifying. friends, and, and they're not getting the full story. All you have to do is go to the internet, and I don't care if you're left, right, right. or if you're 80. from Pluto. But there's
1: one, right. one, thing, one thing about this, and that is that uh, Curiosity is a big component of. It. We're all very curious. That's something people. else. Yeah, we're and, all curious mm-hmm. people. And and your encounter with you know you're curious enough to go to Mae West's hotel or her where oh. she lived right. her home right to find out it to confirm that she's dead
6: and almost get arrested sneaking in an elevator and uh, in some ways it can sound like a childish adventure but you get the fever, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, the news fever c- gets a hold of you.
0: Well, I'm. I am particularly interested in the Hillside Strangler story, which I will read in the book. Yeah. It is available, <laughs> yes. right?
6: KenDavisWriter.com. There you go. Thank you are. very much for an autograph copy. It's also on Amazon but you can help pay for my children's education if you go to KenDavisWriter.com and be happy to send you an autographed copy.
1: Is now the, is that Ken Davis the, the English version or the Kazakhstan version? Uh, that is both. both. Okay. So it's available. It's also a Martian. Translated in
0: all forms. One of my
1: all-time favorite partners and producer, Ken Davis. Check out this book. It's a great read. I read it on the plane and couldn't put it down. Thank you for coming. I appreciate that. You guys do a
6: wonderful job and keep up the good work. Thank you. Now we'll do the real interview. Yes.
4: Next, actor Sean Kanan tells us about his new show, Studio City.
7: You know, Gloria, I know we do our little dance and we trade barbs and insults, but I always thought you respected me. I mean, hiring a second-rate underwear model, this guy Nick Cassidy's my replacement? Replacement? I was thinking rival, but now that you mention it. (laughs) (laughs)
0: All you soap fans are going to be excited about our next guest. He's been on General Hospital, Bold and the Beautiful, and The Young and the Restless.
1: Now he's created a TV show about the soap industry called Studio City. Please welcome Sean Kanan. Nice to hey, have you, Sean. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. Oh, that's a funny scene, actually.
0: So we've had the fabulous Patrica Darbo, <laughs> right. who is also in Studio City yeah. on this show already. But this is your show? I mean, this was your creative this genius. This kind of my
7: baby. Where did, it, yeah. where did it come from? You know, I had been working on this uh, project in different evolutions for a very long time. It was one of those things that uh, I'd, I'd put away in the desk, I'd bring out. Mm-hmm. And uh, at one point, my wife Michelle and I, who's one of the uh, writers on the show, decided, let's really. Start to whip this thing into shape. I had done two films with a guy named Timothy Woodward Jr. He's a he's a film director, and we were talking one day, and he said, you know, I I'd really like to do something that's a, a short form digital series. And I was like, you know, something I think I have exactly the project. Oh. And he said, if I like it, we'll do it. And eight weeks later, we were in production. Isn't that amazing? I mean, and I called all you know, I, I called all my friends so, you're so in friends. daytime, <laughs> and I was like, please, please, you know. And, it's st- and Studio City is about what? Studio City follows the life of uh, Sam Stevens, who plays Dr. Pierce Hartley on the number two soap opera in daytime, Hearts on Fire. And, uh, you know, it's it's all the crazy denizens of the soap world, and it's all of his crazy life outside of it. But you know, I wanted to show what it's like working on a soap. Um, you know, sometimes in a comedic light, and sometimes in a profound light, and show it in a way that wasn't making soap operas the butt of the joke. You know, so often when right. you see them in the media, they're portrayed in a sort of uh, hyperbolic, over-the-top way, and you know, we goose it a little bit, but for the most part, the scenes within the show are played you know, pretty
0: straight. You know, um, we've had a lot of, a lot of our friends of this show are soap stars, we've had folks from Days of Our Lives and Young and the Restless, we have lots of folks on here, and all of them have talked about, I mean, you soap actors you're, you're, you keep saying the thing that a soap <laughs> actor is the butt of the joke, but soap actors are really hard-working actors. We're talking Absolutely. long days, yeah. a lot of dialogue, you're trying to cram in a, a daily episode all that's, the time.
7: That's, that's exactly why I was so happy to be able, able to use my friends that are soap opera actors right. predominantly on this because we moved really quickly, mm-hmm. uh, a tremendous amount of dialogue, some of which they got on the day, wow. and they would be like, all right, leave me alone for a few minutes, they'd look at it and they'd, and they'd nail that's it. Amazing. Isn't that awesome? a film you're usually doing like seven or eight pages a day. When you're doing a soap opera, you're doing sometimes eighty pages a day.
0: What? That's a lot. Well that's
7: the whole show is doing eighty. An actor an actor maybe do, would do 25 to 30 pages a day. Cause, cause are you, you kidding? No, because you're generally doing a show and a half so that when Christmas rolls around and you turn on the TV and we're on TV, obviously,
1: we're you not know, we're not, we're not working. So, wow.
7: The cool thing about this shows. Is,
1: you have the, the short form thing is really ca- caught on. Yeah. And you're on, is it on Amazon? Is that it's on it is? Amazon Prime.
7: Yeah. The episodes, uh, the first season's uh, six episodes, they run between 10 and I think the longest one is 17 minutes. And they're really wow. digestible. You know, you okay. can, people are now watching everything on their pads, mm-hmm. their phones, they're watching it on their lunch break, <gasps> you know, while you're waiting for a bus or something like that. Right. Uh, and, and you know, the challenge is when you're doing something that's that short form, how do you tell the story? How do you cram it yeah, in there? Right. Right. And that's one of the, the reasons I think people are really resonating with this because we were able to put a lot in there and, and flesh out the characters in the story.
0: I know, I know Studio City is your baby, but I'm sure your soap fans are wondering, are you going to go back to the actual soap world?
7: Wow, you know, I, I get asked that a lot. Um, I, I love daytime. I mean, this this project is effectively a love letter to daytime. It has been so good to me. I've done it since 1992 when I started General Hospital. Sure, I'd welcome the opportunity uh, uh, to go back if, if the right situation arose, but right now, I'm having so much fun. Doing my show. Right. That, and, uh, <laughs>
0: and do you love being the hunky guy on the show? Oh my God. I do 50, you love if, that. am
7: 53 years old. <laughs> if anyone wants to think of me as the hunk anymore, <laughs> I am.
0: <laughs> you're all about it. Yeah, I'm kind of over that. That, yeah. that. that.
1: You but, feel my pain. Right? Yeah, <laughs> the
0: pain deeply.
1: Yeah, very deeply. Here's the thing about what, the the thing that I see in you is that you're you're kind of a well-rounded guy. I mean, you do a movie with Steven Seagal, but you don't do your martial arts thing. You do that when you're playing in some other roles. Right. So, yeah. So I mean, that's part of your your mantra, right? You you're very physically fit. You like Thank martial you. arts. Yeah, I've
7: been involved in martial arts uh, since I was 13. You know, a lot of people um, they, they do know me. For from the Karate Kid 3 where I, play, I played the bad guy, Mike Barnes. I and, can't uh, see you as a bad guy, but that <laughs> shows how oh, I that playing so <laughs> play a lot of bad
1: guys.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and then there's a book.
7: Yes, yes, I have an, I have an exciting book. Uh, it's called Success Factor X. Uh, it was just named by Book Authority as one of the 20 best inspirational books of the last two decades. Wow. Uh, my partner, Jill Lieberman, and I went out to 50, 50 people in all different, uh, all all different uh, areas and said what's your best advice about success and the response was incredible. We got Mark Cuban, we got Anthony Robbins, uh, we got Sarah Blakely the first female billionaire, uh, uh, Olympic athletes, Daryl McDaniels founding member of Run DMC wow. and wow. it was really interesting to see all these people that ostensibly do very different things, and they have achieved their success utilizing a lot of the same benchmarks. You know, you start to see these common denominators yeah, right. uh, emerging, and it's it's a terrific book. It's inspirational, and it, it's
1: really uh, gotten a great feedback from people. All right, as we wrap up here, yeah. give us one success thing that we could do here to, to, to launch our whole in- enterprise <laughs> here. You know, one of the biggest
7: things that I'm a proponent of is, is owning the morning. You know, really getting up as early as you can, you know, centering yourself doing a little meditation, doing a little uh, visualization of what the day is going to be uh, and and then just going out and making it happen.
0: There you go. I think we go. There all right, go. Sean, thank you for coming in. Thank Good luck so with much. Studio so It's great to have so you so here. Have Come you. back
4: Appreciate
7: and
0: see
1: it. us again.
7: Will you?
0: Anytime. Yeah, well. All
1: right, Sean.
6: We'll be right back.
4: Tomorrow on Carlos and Lisa, the Netflix show Hentified is getting a lot of buzz. Actress Brenda Banda is here to tell us all about it.
0: always on the cutting edge of athletic we oh, uh, athletic the wear
1: the swoosh yeah. is on the move again
0: so how about this this new tennis shoe uh-huh. from nike is breaking records and causing all kinds of controversy it's
1: called the venus fly
0: it's called the vaporfly oh, vapor the vaporfly sneaker <laughs> anyway, here it is and critics are saying it's equivalent to technological doping
1: really why
0: Okay. Because it
1: has the way it's built or
0: something? Well, okay, here's the thing. The shoe costs 250 bucks. Yeah. Nike promises a 4% increase in your athletic efficiency because of the shoe. Oh. And here's why. So the on the Nike website, here is the shoe. Okay. It has a carbon plate that literally puts spring in your step.
1: Okay. It's, it,
0: the, the technology in it helps you to rebound. So if down. you're a
1: runner or a basketball player Correct. or something, perfect, yeah.
0: So, um... Over the last 13 months, runners have recorded the five fastest marathon times ever, breaking records by wearing this shoe.
1: Because it's all about the shoe. It's all about footwear. I mean, you've got to be in great shape to run those marathons, but really, the the edge could be your footwear, and I've heard that before. So the
0: question is, what about the highest level of competitive sports, the Olympics?
1: Yeah. Are they going to allow this shoe? Well,
0: that's the question. Mm. Everybody keeps saying. Are they going to allow this shoe? It's kind of like cheating because it's got this spring in it. Well, as of right now, the Olympic Committee and the World Athletic Federation has not banned the shoe yeah. outright. But you, um, so Nike obviously it's for sale. Um, Nike, and if competitors want to copy the technology, they need to have their shoes available four months prior to the start of the Olympics for that brand. So,
1: for example otherwise they, what they're trying to do is give like Adidas a, a chance yes. to build a shoe like that right or, but they have to have or some of the months. other uh, with some of the other like Brooks or some of the other uh, you know uh, shoes that are out there so yeah give them an even but see Nike's but, always on the cutting edge yeah but like yeah.
0: Nike already has the market core. They and they've been with this shoe for the last year and, it's and clearly the, it's been wow. helping these athletes so uh, the shoes again are available on the website Not and cheap 250 bucks yeah. I that's, mean that's like
1: an average pair of women's shoes
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like an average pair of heels. But if you're a runner or you're an athlete and you're in competition,
1: like,
0: if it's going to give you an edge. I love
1: my Nikes. I I really do. I think they're they're fantastic shoes.
0: I don't mind the look. Some people are also saying that the sole on this is, like, so weird because it's so thick. Yeah, but if you're
1: running, it's it's protecting your heels and giving you that extra mm -hmm. spring. That's perfect for guys with bad knees like me. It's great. So Love it. Anyway, sold. I just thought
0: I'd bring up the the controversy around these I tennis know what shoes. To get,
1: get myself for Christmas next year.
0: There you go. Or this year, and then you could and then you could run in the Olympics. And I can run in
1: the Olympics. <laughs> I only have four years to train. <laughs> You had to put long. your walker aside. It'd take me a long no, time or to maybe get that.
0: <laughs> make sure you have your right beats per minute in yeah.
1: your ear. <laughs> we started with my walker, we're ending with my walker.
0: <laughs> all right, that'll do it for us today. Uh, you can watch us, of course, anytime on Beyond.tv. That's
1: B E O N D.tv. And don't forget, we also have a podcast now. You can catch us on all the podcast platforms and also on KSL TV's app.
3: Yes.
0: We'll see you next time. Bye.